Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo! Welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into the first live show from Studio A in the 2023 season, and we are coming to you live after a White Sox winner. April Fools! They lost six uh, four to the Astros. They <laughs> you lose. got them. They fall to one. You got them, Sean. Hey, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ecknerwall twenty three. I'm CHGO White Sox community leader Herb Lawrence. Uh, that's Vinny Duber. Did you just do? Do you double down on April Fools? Yes. Just there. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I don't. It's a stupid holiday, and I'll make it's not st- a holiday. What? What is it? <laughs> it's just a thing from probably the 1910s when they didn't have anything else to do. So tradition rather than holiday? Yeah. All right. Well, it's a stupid tradition, so why not be stupid? I like being stupid on all 365 days, but I'll just continue to be dumb this specific day. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. That's the real Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Again, White Sox lose 6-4 to four today in Houston. They fall to 1-2 and two on the season. Lucas Giolito had the start for the White Sox. He went for no, five innings, had five hits, two run runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Jose Irikidi going for the Astros on the other side, four innings pitch, seven hits allowed, three run runs, one walk, five strikeouts. What did we take away from the game? What's the biggest takeaway, Herb? Good that Lucas Giolito came back from early inning struggles. Uh, I think he finished the first inning with 25 pitches thrown, finished the second inning with 49 pitches thrown. I was like, if we can get us to five and keep it right here and give this chance team a chance to win, that will be something you can salvage. It's not a good start because I always want a pitcher of Lucas' caliber to go a little deeper into the game, but that's a Houston Astros team that is deadly. We saw it all game long, and it's hard to get those guys out because once you get one guy out, it's another son of a bitch that's going to hit a ball that's going to be either soft or hard. It's going to fall in, though, so... My takeaway is that Lucas Giolito looked like the pitcher at times that we need back. Then also he had reverted back to 2022. Even though those balls are hitting the first inning, not hard at all, just finding the holes. So it was good in a way for Lucas Giolito today. Biggest takeaway, White Sox need to figure out how to get the third out of an inning. Uh, that was the case last night. We saw those walks from Kendall Graveman, both of them with two outs. Uh, and all six Astros runs today scored with two outs. Ooh. A lot of them are the results of rallies that even started with two outs, um, be it Lucas Giolito in the first inning. Obviously, Herb, you mentioned it. I don't think he did anything horribly egregious there, even in an inning in which he gave up four hits and two runs. You know, soft contact basically all around from the Astros in that inning. But uh, the bullpen then comes in. And, you know, it's not like they, like, fell apart horribly. They weren't walking guys all over the place. It's just two outs. You got to get that third out of the inning. And credit the Astros for knowing how to keep an inning alive even when there's two outs. Uh, both the late inning rallies that they had to, to break the three-run tie and then add on a little bit at the end, well, uh, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Abreu, back-to-back two-out hits. I mean, this is just what good teams do, what good lineups do. If you're going to be a good team – like the White Sox want to be, your pitchers got to figure out how to slam that door, end the inning, and prevent those rallies from snowballing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a lot of people talking about the bullpen in the chat. Make sure, if you are watching, got around 66 people watching, you're hitting the thumbs up button. We do appreciate it. Um, yeah, the bullpen is obviously the biggest talking point for most people. Uh, you know, you talk about the two-out rallies. Uh, Jose Ruiz got into some trouble today. Uh, Jimmy Lambert uh, got into some trouble. And then Joe Kelly bailed him out in the uh, the sixth. 
Uh, but in the seventh, uh, Joe Kelly, again, getting in trouble, two outs, uh, and then Ruiz coming in, giving up the hit. Um, exit velocity, average exit velocity for the Astros today on their 11 hits, 87.5. Um, we even saw in the Jose Ruiz at-bat against Kyle Tucker, he got him off balance. He got him out in front, but Kyle Tucker, very good hitter, just shortening up the swing, making good contact, getting good loft on it, and it's a ball that wasn't hit hard, 71 miles per hour, but it was hit in the right place. So, I mean, that was a lot of the Astros' hits, and even with Giolito, too, like in the first two innings, uh, it seemed very much like 2022 Lucas Giolito, where he walked a couple guys, um, would get deep into counts, and then, you know, would not finish that guy off, especially, you know, in the first inning, uh, not being able to finish off Tucker, not being able to uh, finish off uh, who's after Tucker on that, and uh, McCormick, uh, both who driven in runs. Like, it felt a little bit like Lucas, but um, he did end up settling down in the third, fourth, and fifth. Uh, he looked pretty decent, but, uh, again, that's, like, the biggest bugaboo. Uh, Vinny brought it up. All the runs scored with two outs. And I hear what you're saying, Lou Allen, in the comments. He says starters are shorter and shorter, Herb. Anything five-plus should be acceptable, in my opinion. Not for Lucas Giolito. He's looking for a big-time contract after this year. Five innings is acceptable for people at the back end of the bullpen. If he wants back in the uh, back end of starter money, cool. Be a five-inning guy. But if he is projected to go at the top of the rotation, he needs to be better than he was today. Good, but not what we need him to be because that early early start struggles really put him in the White Sox at a jam, and then we got exposed to that bullpen, which – as Vinny said, like two out hits and two out RBIs couldn't just get people out and go and get into the dugout real quick because, yeah, those Astros are tough, but you got to execute your pitches a little bit better than the White Sox bullpen has done the last couple days. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing last night, too. We were talking about it, and, and not even just from the bullpen, but Lance Lynn giving up that home run to Tucker with 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 uh, two outs in that inning. And then, obviously, Graveman comes in and, and issues the walks there. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think the bullpen, like, looks terrible I, by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're just getting into situations where they're one pitch away, and the Astros do something to to extend the inning. Uh, you know, Joe Kelly came in, and it looked like he was going to be the 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 guy who caused the disaster when he throws that pitch basically between Semi Zavala's <laughs> legs. They had a pitch com error or something. No idea what was coming. That um, sinker sank. I mean, it just. I mean, you saw Semi Zavala just turn into defense mode. It's like, oh my god, I hope this doesn't hit me and hurt me. But uh, then, boom, boom, boom. Those three straight changeups. My god, they made the opposing hitter look foolish. I believe it was a, a rookie uh, on, on on Houston who was taking Corey that. Jolks. Yeah. Jolks was taking that at bat, uh, and nothing against him. I'm sure he's uh, capable of uh, quite a bit, but against Joe Kelly, my goodness, those three straight changeups. Herb, we were watching. He throws the first two. I'm like, just throw another one. Throw another one in the exact same spot. He can't hit it. And no, he couldn't. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Ruiz, we've been praising for weeks now because of what he did during the WBC. Just he can't. He just can't nail. He just can't nail it down. It's not like he looked bad. He just can't nail it down. And again, like I told you guys, again, like it was such a very small sample size in the World Baseball Classic. Yes, he's doing it against the the elite of the elite. He's striking out teammate Tim Anderson. Uh, he's doing it against Mike Trout. But it's four and a third. And like I showed you, like in 2022, he basically had the same opening. Uh, four and a third innings that he did in the World Baseball Classic at the start of 2022, and yet he's you know going to uh, what was he was he arbitration this year? I mean you know going through and only making a million dollars, and they brought him back kind of late later in the offseason. Like he wasn't a priority to bring back, and you know he had a really nice World Baseball Classic, but he's who he is. Like I mean he's he's Jose Ruiz. Like he is a guy that has pretty good stuff. Like his uh, stuff plus is above league average I think it's like 13 percent better than league average but that change up when you're going against major league hitters with better scouting reports and major league scouting reports like the Astros who have won how many world series and been to how many American League championship games like there's a reason that they're able to have great at bats and get to two outs and not have the pressure of the White Sox I, I go back to game one where Aloy's coming up twice with the bases loaded and two outs and you know it just feels like the weight of the world is on his shoulders, but you know, Jordan Alvarez is coming up with two outs and he's flicking doubles off the left field wall. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Well, and I think you point out, you, you, you say, Oh, you know, bashing doubles and, and all this great stuff that Alvarez has done in this series. But you know, it jumped out to me in that eighth inning where they add the one extra, where they add the, the extra insurance run there that did the Astros Alvarez Abreu with the two out hits. They're, they're, they're 
grounders up the middle. Right. They're, they're bouncers through the infield. And you can talk about the shift rules maybe playing an effect there, but in order to be a great hitter, you got to do more than just hit a ball a million miles. And, and those two guys are great hitters because they can come up with a little, a little nothing single like that, and it turns into runs. With Ruiz right there and the Kyle Tucker at bat, it was 3-2. I would have wanted him to bury that changeup. He left it up a little bit. It was just below the strike zone. You don't get beat by Kyle Tucker. Walk him. Allow Chaz McCormick to beat you. Well, That's Steve, what I would have went with. Flash the at-bat graphic just so people can see that where Herb's talking about that pitch location. Um, you can kind of see, like, it's it's bottom of the zone but middle of the plate. Yeah. And so, you know, he's going to be swinging because he's protecting the plate. Bounce it. Allow him to either, either be patient and walk or flail at the ball and go in the dirt and then tag him out. But you don't get beat by him necessarily, which the White Sox did. And uh, I would have loved for him to execute that pitch a little bit better. And we saw some pre-game numbers of Giolito versus Jordan and Giolito versus Kyle Tucker, and they were pretty poor. And Steve Stone was basically talking about how good Lucas Giolito's changeup was. And I wasn't really surprised that they ended up going to Jose Ruiz against Kyle Tucker there because of the changeup and how we praised it against the World Baseball Classic. He goes up and throws it five times. You saw that pitch five times. It's Kyle Tucker. I mean, that's a guy who's on Team USA who's hitting, you know, ropes 100 miles per hour that one leaves the park against Lance Lynn, and then Luis Robert makes a miraculous catch in center field today uh, to rob him of a hit. But, you know, that's a professional hitter right there. And, you know, it's only 71 miles per hour off the bat, but he got all of it on the barrel. So, um, you, again, you got to bury those pitches, and if you're going to get him to swing, you got to get him to swing that's, that's something completely out of the zone. So, uh, yeah, no, he was able to stay balanced, and that's a great hitter. Uh, talking about great hitters, too, Abreu and Jordan on the eighth, once a second. <coughs> against Santos, uh, 96.4 exit velocity on the single, but a launch angle of negative 14. And then Alvarez, 109.8 launch angle of negative 16. So right into the dirt, but hard enough to get through. Hit them where they ain't. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the motto in baseball if you're stepping up to the plate. So they did that a lot today. You talked about Tucker's hit. It goes into right field. It's, a, it's just a bloop fly ball into right field, but it's well-placed and, you know, and listen, uh, the, the White Sox are doing that a little bit. Aloy Jimenez has hit, uh, you know, to, to keep to score the run in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. It was basically the same thing. Broken bat, drops right in front of Tucker in right field. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get to it. So, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be um, chalking things up to, oh, my God, well, how did the White Sox not get to that? We had so many comments last night about the ball that fell in front of Benintendi uh, out in left field that, that, that led to a run scoring. But, you know, it, it's it's – you're going to see a lot more of those frustrating grounders, like the ones that Alvarez and Abreu hit in the eighth inning today. You're going to start to see a lot of those because you can't move the defenders around. And and so this might just be the first uh, crash course in the new shift rules uh, that White Sox fans got from watching their team, unfortunately, be on the other side of it today. Yeah, the first single for Abreu of the game after Lucas Giolito struck him out three times, by the way, uh, against Joe Kelly. Uh, seemed like Andres was pretty much using as much uh, space to try to play Abreu up the middle. Um, he seemed pretty close to that second base bag. Obviously, he couldn't be all the way to the other side. Um, so we kind of see the drastic shifts. But Abreu, last year, we saw him be a singles machine and mm-hmm. just be a guy who could shorten up and make contact. And he just saw all that space on the right field side of the uh, field where Vaughn's basically behind uh, the first base runner. Uh, you know, Andres is basically behind second base. And there's all that gap to just shoot a ball. So, um, you know, professional hitters are able to take advantage of uh, the non-shifts here, and uh, that's been fun to see. Uh, a lot more singles up the middle, a lot more hits. I mean, Oscar Colas had a nice hit, uh, too. It wasn't smashed. It wasn't a lining uh, roper, but, uh, you know, uh, top of the zone takes it just right where they ain't. So uh, seeing a little bit of the rule changes affect the game there. Yeah, and it's good to see that, you know, people are executing and getting hits. But what I want from the White Sox in the offense today – Scored more than three runs, so positive there. And another positive, two home runs. Got an opposite field one from Yoan Moncada. And then Sebi Savala absolutely just smashed a high fat. Man, he is, <laughs> if he's going to be the guy that's behind home plate for the majority of the time when uh, Yasmani isn't, and he's bringing his bat this year, I'm in. I'm very in because that ball looked absolutely tattooed, and he knew it. He gave me that uh, Yasmani Grandal bat trap, too with some pimping, and I, I just feel so, like, bad for this team because they're battling versus the reigning champs, and we're, like, down on them, which, you know, we should be because that game was in hand, and then they gave it away again. But remember, this is the reigning champs, and they're good for a reason, and that bullpen is great for a reason, as I think either you or Vinny pointed out. 
They're spending a lot of money on their bullpen, too. And they didn't see Ryan Presley today because I think he got hurt after the first game. I think, Vinny, you said that. He was kind of shaking his arm out, and he was in the dugout, not in the bullpen, uh, back at the end of the game, and they just had to go with Norris. Yeah, I brought up that stat. Uh, Presley makes 14 mil. Montero makes 11.5 mil. Norris makes 8 million. Valdez makes the most for any starter. He makes 6.8. Wow. Stanek, who is in the game today, 3.6. Javier, who we saw in the second game, 3.4. <coughs> Irikidi, who we saw today, Three million, and then Phil Mayton, two point five. So I mean, they and the other guys are pre-arb. I mean, like Ronald Blanco, who's throwing sliders, and the White Sox are just whiffing like crazy up there. Uh, but uh, what is he it? Man, uh, like struck out five dudes, didn't he? Yeah, Blanco. Yeah, uh, I think it was four uh, in in two innings. But uh, yeah, I mean, they spend four of their five most paid top paid pitchers are relievers. So you, you talk about the White Sox and their positional spending. Uh, it's, it's not crazy for a successful team to go out and spend a lot on relievers. It's just, you know, the White Sox also have Lance Lynn, who's making, what, $18 million or so. Um, they, they have a little bit more of expensive players. Giolito being later on in his arbitration is making about on, uh, around 11. So, uh, you know, the starting pitchers just have to be better as well to be on the level of the Astros. I mean, Javier, Irikidi, and uh, 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 Valdez were all great, even though they didn't go deep. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can't uh, – two things. You can't expect necessarily for the, the – the, I don't think a lot of people are hoping that the White Sox come in here and are suddenly better than the Astros, especially on the first three days of the season, right? Now, that's where the White Sox want to be because they want to be the best team in baseball. The best team in baseball has to be better than the other 29. Uh, but that's an end-of-the-season goal, right? And and I think the thing is, this is the first weekend of a 162-game se- uh, season. If they learn from this stuff, if they move forward, then you know you shouldn't necessarily treat it as this measuring stick like we've been talking about for days now because, A, the Astros are this well-oiled machine. They are hard to measure up regardless of what time of year it is. But, but you know, B, I don't remember now if I said A or 1, so I'm going to go ahead and say B um, <laughs> instead of 2. Hopefully that's correct. It is. Uh, but B, this team has a long way to go before it reaches the what it is you know what I mean you can't expect that finished product on day one and so uh you know we're sitting here going oh my god the Astros are good the Astros are good and the conclusion a lot of people are jumping to is oh my god it doesn't even matter they're never going to beat the Astros what what does it even what does it even matter well let's see if they face the Astros again in October uh and see what would happen obviously a lot is going to have to happen between now and then but um the Astros are the Astros right now and the White Sox are trying to just be better than they were last year because they've got a lot to figure out uh, after what went wrong last season. Yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad that we've seen three runs, three runs, and four runs from the White Sox. It's it's consistency. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more, uh, but it, you know they haven't been able to get uh, wins uh, in two of those games, so uh, at least they're not getting shut out. Another theme that continues today, they chased the starter before that starter got to complete six innings. This one didn't even get to the fifth, so... That is a good sign that you're, you know, putting hits together. And I think they got 10 today when they had 11 and 11 the first two games. They're putting hits together. Now to have better execution when the runners are in scoring position. I think uh, today they failed again. We're in a big spot. I think they had a guy on second with one out. Didn't even advance them to third base. And so execution on those plays specifically need to be a little bit tighter. But for the most part, I am not upset with the White Sox effort they've had and the um, execution on most of the plays that they've had this weekend. Um, you, sometimes you're going to lose. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the the play about Mancata overthrowing uh, Vaughn. Mm. We talked a little bit about what if that was Jose Abreu? What would that play look like? As Steven Nicholas did say at one point, wow, Andrew Vaughn does look short. Um, I, again, I, I don't know if it would be rude, but I just I wonder how tall he is. Just go up to him and ask him. When? When yeah. am I ever near Andrew Vaughn? You're going to be at the ballpark on Monday. He has to have a restraining order go back, go back to the ballpark on Monday. I'm sure he's signing autographs. Look him eye to eye. He's like, 5'8". Mm, I'm 5'9". <laughs> so, I, you know, last doctor's appointment, I, I have a pretty good barometer. <laughs> if I'm standing at my straightest, I'm 5'9". So, um, but what do we make? That shoes oh. off, though, of course. If the doctor was measuring yeah. you, that shoes Sho- off. I'm Shoes off? I'm 5'9"? Baby, let's go. <laughs> um, you can put some lifts in. Are you know, Dave Port 99? Apparently. I've been, I've been uh, hanging myself upside down from my closet trying to strengthen yeah. out, lengthen out those legs. Uh, um, side shot. He's just in somewhere in Boston getting a side swipe. <laughs> what do we make of the play? Uh, would, would Jose Abreu made it? Made it was a bad throw by Mancata. It was a bad throw. I don't think that... Uh, I mean, you talk about making the play. I guess you're just talking about catching the ball. I don't think he would have been the runner would have been out or anything no. like that. It was pretty wide of first base, uh, and remember, bigger bases too. So sure. theoretically, Andrew Vaughn gets a, 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 little a little extra, little, yeah. a little extra leeway in there than than Jose had a year ago. But uh, 
No, I it was a it was not a good throw, and you know it it led to a run, which is which is bad. That's the the defensive miscues that we talked about being such a um, characteristic of last year's team. That's another one coming here to play. Now, again, you saw some really good defensive plays today. Uh, Luis Robert Jr. had about three of them, I think, in center field. Yeah. But um, listen, it's a it's that game of inches, and it was very possible that that was going to be a much tighter game by the time that. Moncada, who happened to be the last at bat of the game, right, came up to play, uh, came up to hit there, take that one run off the board, and it's a it's a different situation. But uh, uh, you know, you can point to that as being a reason that the White Sox lost today because it directly led to a run. It was a terrible throw by Yohan Moncada, but those are going to happen from time to time. What the first baseman has to do is decide: Hey, do I need to get off of the bag and save the throw from going to the dugout so I can get the guy just staying right here at first? Or do I keep on the bag and can I catch this ball? Because that ball was way off of Andrew Vaughn. He could uh, he didn't have any shot to catch that ball and stay on the bag. So at that point, I want Andrew Vaughn from learn from that mistake right there and realize like, hey, if a ball's off from Yoan or Tim or Andres, just save the guy from going to second base because that is what caused that guy to score eventually. And he took a very circuitous route to get the ball after yeah. it was overthrown too. But, you know, Andrew Vaughn doesn't have the greatest of speed. So I thought initially the ball caromed out. I was like, oh, my man just turned over to second base. He's out. Nope. Andrew Vaughn is slower than I thought. Yeah. Not I'm not challenging him. Weird, weird route. Before we start, I'm not challenging him. I don't know. Him. I, I think laterally you could, you're could. you a pretty quick mover. In the, game he's, in the game, he's a 40. Um, Yeah, that's that's... And Yasmani's a three. Uh, that's nice. That's well. That's gratuitous. Is that the word? Uh, that's that's generous for uh, Yasmani. Uh, that was in the bottom of the fourth, though. Hensley safe at first, then advancing to second. And then again, like Vinny mentioned, they got Diaz to ground out to shortstop, Yolks to fly out to center, and then Pena with two outs hitting a double and scoring Hensley, and that tied it at three three. Um, and the White Sox weren't able to score again when they added one in the ninth. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Lucas Giolito's performance. We'll talk a little bit more about the lineup. Uh, we got uh, Kevin asking, when do we start worrying about Luis? We brought it up yesterday. <laughs> we started worrying yesterday about Luis Robert. Uh, we do want to let you know, though, about Roman. Uh, a lot of guys want better sex life, and around 50% of men have symptoms that get in the way of wanting or enjoying sex. Do you want a better sex life? If so, you are not alone. Roman is here to help. They are the digital health clinic for men addressing a variety of sexual health needs and offering genuine medication that helps and maintain a strong erection. They offer discreet wipes that help you last four times longer in bed. And with men in low testosterone, getting testosterone levels back to normal uh, and help increase your libido. And Roman offers a testosterone test, which includes lab processing. And if it's appropriate for you, treatment for low testosterone. The best part, there's no waiting room, no hassle. It's a straightforward digital experience from the comfort of your home. And if medication or testing is appropriate for you, Roman will send it directly right to your door. Everything arrives in discreet packaging with free two-day shipping. So, to learn more about how you can achieve your personal sexual health goals, go to ro.co slash chgo to get 20% off your first entire order. That is ro.co slash chgo uh, for 20% off your first entire order. Who says no to that question of, do you want a better sex life? Hmm. I just It's rhetorical, but, you, you know. know. I just want a little inter- editorialize in that commercial. Who doesn't want a better fantasy team? Uh, it's a f- baseball season. Latest <laughs> <laughs> fantasy baseball news for Rotowire, a fantasy of pioneer, uh, a pioneer of fantasy sports for over 25 years. They get clean sheets, custom player rankings to fit all leagues, whether rotisserie points, 10-cat, or 30-cat is your style. And they have experts that can analyze all the wild baseball stats for you, like weighted runs created plus. I'll throw out called strikes plus whiff later, uh, whiff rate, and all the sleepers and prospects that are hiding in your league, they have access to fantasy, DFS, and sports betting articles as well. So when you're using our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, Rotowire will give you the right picks to play each and every day. And it's not just baseball. It's fantasy advice on everything from golf, soccer, NASCAR, and XFL. For a limited time offer, Rotowire is offering you a free two-day trial to our listeners. Just go to rotowire.com chgo to register. No commitments. They're so confident that you'll like their product and want to invest in a subscription plan that they don't even ask you for a credit card up front. Take a peek behind the paywall, and when the trial is done, you can decide if a Roto-Wire package is right for you. Uh, just thinking about that, too. Um, you know who probably has a lot of experts, a lot of knowledgeable people? Uh, the Astros. Just thinking about Luis Robert Jr., too. Like, 
they're just pitching how you would pitch Luis Robert. Yes. A lot of sliders and, and he's swinging at everything. So when you go and face maybe the A's, maybe uh, maybe you go out and face uh, who's a bad team? The Pirates? The Nationals. Uh, the Nationals. Yeah. Maybe you have a little less talent to execute the, the game plans and maybe the game plans are a little bit worse. So that's where Luis will shine. But uh, going up against top caliber flight competition like the Astros, mercy. Um, let's go into Lucas Giolito. Um, not a bad start, a weird start. Like we mentioned, uh, a lot of pitches used in the first two innings, but he kind of settled in in the third, fourth, fifth, uh, and even the run that he gave up in the fourth was unearned because of the uh, the uh, error that we brought up by Mancata. Five innings pitched today, three runs, two of them earned, five hits allowed, six Ks, and one walk for Lucas Giolito. I want to go to the pitching breakdown uh, here, Stephen. Lucas was – no, not that one. Uh, do we have the, the one where it's just strictly his pitches? Um yeah, thank you. All good. Uh, Lucas today, 97 pitches, 35 fastballs, 30 changeups, 29 sliders. For a large part of his start, uh, the sliders was uh, his most preferred pitch. What but is I, that little? What is that little like cartoon head of lettuce up uh, there next so to his name? The that is the pitches. Um, the fastballs, right? Red. It's just the. It's just a little color. I don't yeah. know. They added it this year. I don't like. Does that. it? Does it correspond, it correspond to what yeah. the data is, or is it no, just like no. a little logo? I think it's just a little logo because okay. there's no uh, orange in that one, and there's too many. A lot of blue. Yeah, there's, there's not enough blue. Gotcha. Um, but uh, it's hmm. just a little Just thing. wondering. Just yeah, curious. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I haven't clicked on it. Maybe you can click on it, and it could take you somewhere. Uh, I'll go find out for you on, uh, on, on StatCast. Uh, yeah, if you click on it, it'll take you to this player uh, or the pitch visualizer. So, ah, there we go. Um, anyways. Uh, Lucas, today, the big thing that I was wondering, because we didn't have StatCast down in Camelback Ranch, uh, what was the mile per hour going to look like on the fastball? Uh, we talked about a lot throughout his uh, 2022, the injury that he suffered in his first start, him adding a lot of muscle, trying to get his fastball velocity up to 95, and then after that first start against the Tigers, we just saw a diminished fastball for Lucas, and he started off kind of slow. Um, you can kind of see it up hovering around 91 there uh, but gradually throughout the game uh, he started picking up some uh, mile per hour and in certain spots he was getting it up to 95 um, so against Jordan specifically uh, he, he got up to 95 which was good to see so Lucas kind of building throughout the game is good to see and I did read a little bit from uh, the athletic uh, talking about how pitchers might be varying their velocity just to protect elbow uh from wearing uh so you know throwing 95 just consistently will really stress out your elbow um so lucas i would like to kind of see that mile per hour get ready and going up to like 93 at the start rather than 91 where it was at but uh seeing him being able to get up to 95 i think was a really good sign uh and, and he was sitting 93 right yeah ended up sitting 93 uh average for the game uh and i did like just the mix you know it seemed like he trusted all of his pitches fastball slider and change up in any count and he really felt like he could throw it in any count wasn't perfect today um but again really good hitters on the Astros and I think that uh Lucas did this last year a lot where he would struggle early especially in the first inning and then he would settle in and like okay I'm good to go and then would have to go five innings because his pitch count was so high it looked like in the fifth inning he looked better much better than the first inning confidence-wise and pitch-wise. I think he threw that uh, Jordan Alvarez 95-mile-per-hour either in the fourth or fifth inning, so he was like had something in the tank. But like you said, I would rather have that initially and then gear down later on in the game. But uh, it's a testament to him that he battled versus a team, gave up those runs in the early in the first inning and four hits, but only gave up two runs in that first inning. And it was a testament to him to say, oh, okay, I need to get to the fifth inning for my team to make sure the bullpen isn't too overtaxed. And he got the job done. And to give only three runs up in that uh, start, it's fine. By inning last year from the first to the third, a 490 ERA from the fourth to the sixth, a 468. From the seventh to the ninth, an 831. Uh, small sample size there. Uh, but you can kind of see uh, when he did get deeper into games, it felt like probably he was a little bit more comfortable with his stuff. And we saw that today. Yeah, I mean, listen, take away that first inning. Granted, it was two runs, I understand, but uh, take away the first inning, give up one hit today. You know, I mean, it was, it, it, I thought he was fine. And I thought, uh, I thought that it, you could probably say a lot of the same stuff we said about Lance Lynn yep. yesterday. Obviously, Lance Lynn uh, gave up a home run right at the end of his start, but. Uh, you know, Lucas, I thought, was very serviceable today. thought Lance Lynn was very serviceable today or yesterday. Both those guys put their teams 
in position to win the game. And, you know, you've got people coming out and saying, and it's true, you need more runs to win. And uh, especially if the bullpen is not going to be locked down, even if they weren't perhaps as, you know, um, uh, horrible as the social media world would like to uh, but lead us to believe. But I, I do think that the starting pitching uh, has been fine against a very good lineup. The, the inverse of that, though, is that the White Sox are facing a team that not just has a very good lineup. They're facing a team that has a very good starting rotation and a very good bullpen as well. So expecting uh, the offense to break out against Valdez or Javier or Urquidy, those are tall tasks. These are good, 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 good pitchers. These are some of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, these are guys who pitched in the World Series last year. So... I, I think that the offense is probably going to continue to be the focal point. It was coming into the season, Sean. We we talked uh, before the season started. Hey, what is the one thing, your biggest question, the, big, the biggest thing you want to know? And it comes down to, has this coaching staff and the players themselves, of course, done what they need to do in order to turn this offense into something that looks a lot more like what was expected? Some of the guys, absolutely they have. Tim Anderson is automatic on base right now. Yes, he is. Uh, Yohan Moncada is... Uh, hitting fantastically. Aloy has come up with some big hits, some failed moments, but um, Benintendi looks very Benintendi-y kind of. <laughs> uh, I, I think that there are some guys in this lineup where you go, oh, wow, if, if they get that the whole year, then holy smokes, this is going to be a lot different than last year. But then you're seeing a lot of the moments that, that maybe you did see too much of last year. I think Robert, people are right to call out Luis Robert Jr. He has looked really bad uh, at the plate for the most part. Uh, you, it goes back to the World Baseball Classic. We were saying that then too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, for all the uh, uh, amazing uh, outcomes that Johan Moncada had, ending up on, on the all-tournament team and almost hitting 500 in the World Baseball Classic, Luis Robert played in the same number of games and <laughs> didn't really do much of anything. Uh, and it's carried in. It's carried into the regular season, it looks like, at least in these th three games, which are, of course, very, uh, you know, the smallest of sample sizes you could have over the when compared to the whole season. So um, you don't need to necessarily worry about Robert uh, being having this last for the next six months quite yet. But I think, and I said it last night, it's it's this is it's time for the coaching staff to to. To, to get involved and show up and be like, hey, this is what we're seeing. This is what we're seeing. We don't know necessarily the level of interaction that they had with some of the more established guys throughout the season. Obviously, we saw them working with Oscar Colas and Romy Gonzalez. That's a rookie and a guy who's just a little bit more than a rookie. Uh, when it comes to a guy who's already a star caliber player like Luis Robert Jr., how much did they do? And uh, let's see if he is receptive in the way that some of his teammates might have been to uh, some new thinking and some new ways because otherwise you're going to be able to point to him and ask Rick Hahn, hey, you talked about new new vibes and outside uh, outside perspectives coming in here to show the White Sox from a, from a different perspective what they did, what they didn't do last year. You're going to be able to look at Rick Hahn and say, hey, what are these guys telling Luis Robert Jr. because he looks exactly the same as he did a year ago? He made some good catches, and I got to give him credit for that great catch he made in center field off of Kyle Tucker. But, like you were talking about earlier, where the Astros have the book on Luis Robert, what Luis Robert and the White Sox coaching staff have to do is do a little self-scouting. Like, how would I get myself out? Slider, 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 slider. Off the plate, off the plate, off the plate. Nothing in the plate that's a fastball. And then go to work on recognizing spin, recognizing when the ball is, like Norris threw a ball like in the left-handed batter's box again, and Luis is swinging at these things. He's not like right there. He's not zoned in. And these things happen usually in the middle of the season, like you're lost. Like you just lost your, your hitting form. And as Vinny said, he wouldn't look good in the World Baseball Classic either. So he's just guessing right now. He's like, what are they throwing me? Oh, that's a fastball? Nope, slider. I swung at it anyways. He's in between. Now I just would want him to be like, okay, Luis, go up to the plate. Don't necessarily put the bat on your shoulder, but don't swing until you got two strikes because they have an obvious plan against you where they're not throwing you anything middle-middle because you're going to crush it. But occasionally they make mistakes and they do leave a ball like right in the middle. And I think Yoan missed one right in the middle too, but – like, for Luis, he has to understand that they're doing something specific to him and you're getting him out. They're doing specific things to Tim Anderson, too, but he worked on those things at driveline. You saw the inside-out swing that produced the single late in the game. 
Tim Anderson knows that his bugaboo is up and in. He worked on that. Now Luis Robert has to go to work with the coaches to work on how to get hits or how to get on base when you're struggling like this. Well, and Herb, we're two guys. We're just two guys sitting here. Yeah. Luis Robert Jr. is a professional baseball player, mm-hmm. and the coaches around him are professional baseball coaches. Mm-hmm. They know this. Mm-hmm. They've known this for over a year at this point, yes. right? Yes. It, well, is, it, is, it is on them to, within that chess match with the pitchers that we always talk about, it's on them to figure out how to stop breaking this habit. Because if we're sitting here knowing, wow, all you got to do is throw that slider or throw that sweeper and have it right over to the other side of the strike zone. If we know that, he knows that. So why isn't it changing? Well, and 15 of the 18 pitches that he saw were either sweepers or forcing fastballs. Uh, Six of them were called strikes or whiffs, and that's 40% of basically those pitches, those 15 pitches are strikes right there. Um, At least in the first, I will give him a little bit of credit, in the the, OO counts, uh, he saw five pitches. Uh, The two that he swung at were both in the zone and both, like basically, you know, above the chest. Okay. I mean, he's not like going down and swinging at him. Uh, two of the called strikes were pretty borderline, and then the other one was a ball. So, I mean, he at least OO starting off, um, he didn't really put himself in a bad spot. But again, like when you get a, a, a call against you, where especially you probably thought it was a ball, start overreacting, start, you know, going after things. And, you know, he, he, he does, I think, get a little bit. Uh, two ahead of himself because I don't know one count puts a ball in play. It's an out. Uh, he did get another ball and got to a one, one count and then uh, swung and miss again against Irakiti on a slider. Um, so yeah, I, I, he's frustrating. Um, and even then like his average exit velocity on the two balls that he hit uh, for four seams and sweepers, 88. Oof. Like that's, I mean, number is number, uh, but also it's just not good. Right uh, on theme. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm complaining about the Astros and their 11 hits being 87 and a half miles per hour. Like, it's not good. Um, Luis Robert, I'd like to see him crush balls, and uh, we haven't seen that just yet. Uh, Sebi crushing a ball, very nice. Yoan hitting a ball, wasn't crushed, uh, but it got out. Uh, what do we take away from his counterpart on Team Cuba? He's uh, looking good at the play. I know he struck out two times in with the uh, game on the line at the end of the game. But those are filthy pitches. But Yoan early in this uh, season, three games, he's looked decent. Uh, that throw aside that we were talking about earlier, he's looked pretty solid defensively too. So it's a good omen, and maybe you see him and Roberts switch places in the batting order where Roberts a little later in the batting order, and you got Yoan up there who's getting on base right now, and that's what you need, and he's hitting the ball with authority. Yeah, but stick it, keeping him in the middle or could it certainly help you out too. I mean, you know, this is a guy who is – probably expected by a lot of White Sox fans to be that kind of guy, to be that kind of power-hitting guy. And he he hit the um, home run today. He had a double the other day. I mean, it's a guy with extra base potential. And if you get some guys on base in front of him, you can keep the line moving. We know that T.A. is going to be on base, and obviously everybody that, that bats from two on down could have an RBI opportunity with him on the uh, on base. But uh, I keep pointing to uh, Benintendi. If Benintendi's going to hit third, he's another big on-base guy. And then Aloy, as I keep pointing out. I mean, Aloy isn't just there to hit 40 home runs and see if he can hit 40 home runs. He could be a 300-type hitter, and you know if he's poking balls through the infield and going the other way and, just, and getting singles – well, then you bring up Moncada, and Moncada has a has a shot at driving runs in uh, thanks to the guy who's supposed to be your best RBI guy. So you can keep the line moving in that way, and, and, and I don't think it's a bad thing at all to have a hot Moncada in the middle of the lineup. It's just, are you giving yourself a, a, a quick out if, if Robert keeps slumping? Obviously, it's just three games. We'll, we'll, we don't know if it is even going to qualify as a slump uh, at any point here, but... Certainly, Moncada has looked really good, and, and I think he's showing off that lineup versatility that we always talk about with him, too, where, yeah, if Pedro was like, yeah, go ahead, put him second, you're like, oh, perfect, good, put him there. Or if he's like, oh, I'm going to bat him fifth or sixth, you're like, oh, all right, well, that he can do damage there, too. So I think uh, the, the ability to kind of be anywhere in that lineup and do the same kind of damage uh, is is important. And then I don't have much else to add on for uh, Yoan here, but uh, the one thing that I did want to add where is it all right never mind uh the one thing that I'd usually want to add for Aloy then is uh one for three two walks so pretty nice day for him at the plate uh some people talking about Ben Attendee batting third or Ben Ben Attendee uh batting third uh two hits today two strikeouts as well what do we make of the three hitter now I wouldn't want him in the three spot because that traditionally I think the three hitter is more of a uh RBI guy your best hitter I would like him earlier so Tim then Ben and Tim by the way man 
keeps on hitting, and then he's stealing bases with ease, the greatest of ease. So I'm looking for a nice uh, 30 stolen base here. I don't know if he gets the 30 home runs, but uh, 20 is definitely in uh, reach. But Andrew Benintendi, I would move him up and put Luis Robert down. I would have had that before Luis's struggles anyways, but Andrew's been delivering exactly what he was promised, and I know people get on him him specifically about him signing the highest paid contract in White Sox history. That's not his fault. He just took a deal and he's living up to that number. I mean, the whole, the hit he hit yesterday that got robbed by a uh, Tucker, that's a double for most uh, players. You know, the, the batting average was a little low, but he's hitting the ball with authority. I'm thinking when we go back home on Monday, it's going to be a little different story because it's going with a lesser team in the San Francisco Giants who have good starting pitchers. But the Houston Nationals have been pretty much, you know, the, the gold standard of baseball. So don't get on Andrew Benintendi, two tough guys out there, and don't be judging him upon his signing the deal. That says more about the White Sox than him, and I think he's perfectly suited for the money that he's making. Giants have a weird start to the season, too. They're in New York right now playing the Yankees, and then they're going to go to Chicago. So uh, odd start to their season, uh, just thinking about that. Um, the one thing I did want to bring up with Moncada, uh, I thought it was in the opening day game, but it was yesterday, uh, hitting a double. Uh, it looked a little weird. Just looked like he got under it, but then it just kept going. Uh, Christian Javier. Oh, uh, yeah, that three, ball was smoked. He did, three, yeah. 394 uh, distance on that one, uh, but an exit velocity of 98.5, and the homer today, 96.4. So, again, not like smashed balls, but still hard hit. Um, and uh, one off the fastball today, Irikidi, I wanted to bring up this, uh, 10 hits for the White Sox, four of them off fastballs. Uh, we wanted to talk about that. Uh, not really killed. You know, the home run for Mankata was one of them. Uh, Colas's single that got through, and then TA's two hits uh, were the, the, the hits. So you, I do want to see more damage against the fastball, at least for the White Sox. Um, but Mankata at least doing the major damage there with uh, – with that home run. And I think that would have only been a home run in that ballpark specifically because it just mm. cleared the Crawford boxes. But that's what you got to do. Hit to the ballpark that you're in. And that was a hard pitch to hit. Outside fastball going, what, 94 miles per hour? And just served it over to the right field. I did not think it was going out or left field. I did not think it was going off off the bat. But Yoan just got surprising power. Surprising Compact power. And that was a thing in 2019 was uh, he had hard hit balls, just massive exit velocity, and his BABIP was like 440. And when you hit balls hard, you are giving yourself a better chance for them getting down. Um, even the bloops for that got in front of Benatendi and uh, Colas, like they're just hit sharp enough where they're getting down and just, you know, nose diving. Like, you know, Mankata puts himself in, in good positions just by uh, being able to catch up to those fastballs. I think even when he came off the IL last year, uh, first game against the Yankees, it what came off and hit two home runs. Um, and one of them was like a hundred mile per hour fastball right down the middle. Uh, so and he can hit velocity. He's a very interesting player. He could be that $75 million top seven third baseman if he continues to do this. We saw a great world baseball classic for him. So uh, if he continues this and we see a little bit more of the patience at the plate, uh, he starts drawing some more walks. I mean, Yohan Moncada could be back. I was we so saw, scared. Oh, saw, sorry. Saw Yaz walk today too in a, in a mm -hmm. pinch hit appearance. I mean, listen, Grandal and Moncada, those are the two guys that, I, that I've been saying that's the most important duo to get this lineup back on track because they were so, so unproductive last year. Uh, they If they can get back to, to being back to, to normal for them, that's a big step forward for this offense. Even if there are guys who are still trying to play catch-up like a Luis Robert Jr., right? If you take basically a quarter of your lineup and return it after it was on a milk carton last year, <laughs> uh, you, can, you can count on it being a better offensive season. I know Sean got that reference. The milk carton reference. Oh, I do. Yeah, no. I, I, people were talking about Joe Kelly being on a milk carton when he comes, comes waltzing in. Um, Want to take a quick break? And we're going to jump into probably some of the bullpen choices just because it's been weird for Pedro Grafal in the first uh, couple of games. A lot of mid-inning changes for Pedro Grafal. Want to let you know, though, about ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. They're committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve save money and energy. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, whether it's lighting, HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. And an authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. And each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. So don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today 
For energy-saving tips and to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. That's comed.com slash poweringbiz. Also want to know about DraftKings Sportsbook. Tonight, we've got the Final Four. Florida Atlantic taking on San Diego State University and Miami taking on UConn FAU is uh, getting two and a half points. Miami's getting five and a half points. I like FAU plus two and a half. And right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, you get a 40% boost on any semifinal bet. So you can take plus two and a half at minus 110 and boost it up to plus 127 right now for the final four. So download the app now and sign up with the code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NBA. With code CHGO, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, CG lead to go five. Then Jimmy Lambert comes in, uh, faces three batters, uh, but then is pulled for Joe Kelly. Kelly goes an inning, and then Ruiz relieves it was all him. Over, but it was all overlapping, and then, right? Yes, yeah, and yeah. then Ruiz goes into the eighth, and he's relieved by Santos, who ends up closing and is the last pitcher used for the White Sox. But a lot of mid-inning changes for Pedro Grafal. Yeah, and again, I think it comes down, not every single one of those, may, maybe maybe they were, you could go check, were, were made with two outs, but a good number of them were actually. Yes. But yeah, I mean, again, it just comes down to finishing off that inning. And, and you know, if, if these guys go out there and do their job of boom, 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 one, two, three, I understand that's difficult. The Astros are the Astros. It's not easy to just get every single out in a game. That's called a perfect game. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, they got these, these guys' job is to go out and slam the door, to hold a lead or to hold a tie in this instance and let the offense come back. Granted, you know, Astros guys are trying to do the same thing, and they did it successfully. The Astros have a very good bullpen as well. But there were guys, be they, Lambert, Kelly, Ruiz, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't finish these guys off. They couldn't shut the door, and that's what, that's what the problem was. And it's a nitpicky thing, but taking out a right-hander like Jimmy Lambert, who was getting outs for the most part with his three batters, I think he gave up like a walk or a, a hit, and then taking him out for another right-hander Walk. is just kind of odd to me. And then bringing in Joe Kelly, which got the job done in that inning, then uh, having Joe Kelly return in the next inning, and then taking him out when he completes a full inning for a person. It was just a lot of in-inning uh, moves that kind of unorthodox, but I thought he was, like, feeling something, like, oh, this guy has a better matchup versus that guy, so I'm going to bring him in, Joe Kelly in, instead of uh, having Jimmy Lambert face the guy. It was just odd. It maybe just a, a choice that I am more re- regularly used to, like having a clean slate for your reliever to come in during the inning. And I didn't think Jimmy Lambert was in that much trouble where you're like, "Hey, those twenty-two or those eighteen pitches you right. threw, that's it's enough. Get out." I didn't. I didn't like that, especially with the bottom of the lineup. And it's not like there's a handedness preferred there. I mean, you're going from a right-hander to a right-hander. Mm-hmm. He walked McCormick, then struck out Hensley, then Diaz popped out to first, and then Corey Ukes comes out and. Uh, Kelly ends up getting him with the changeup, and maybe that's the big thing. But even then, it wasn't like Kelly started him with all changeups. He, he got right? down 2-0 uh, with sinkers and then started throwing changeups, and you know, Yolks couldn't catch up. So uh, I, I thought it was a weird, weird choice to go to Kelly in that moment. Uh, ends up working out for them. But even then, when, when he throws the ball behind Zavala, I'm like, all right, here we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, to, be, like, to be jumping on that, though, that none of that led to any runs. Oh, right, right. I no, mean, I know, but it's just like – I just thought it was weird because he was only used for four pitches. Jimmy Lambert, the last time he was out, only faced a batter, then was pulled, and then you only let him see four battles, batters total. Like I just, I thought it was odd usage of Lambert. Mm-hmm. Listen, Pedro Gafol told us what he was going to do. He told us he was going to play matchups. He was going to look at the the upcoming batters in the lineup and say that stretch of hitters I want that pitcher to face. And it's very possible that he said, "Hey, if it gets to." so-and-so, we're bringing in Joe Kelly. And then Jimmy Lambert issued a walk, and it got to so-and-so. Maybe there were only those three uh, those three hitters that he was comfortable with letting Lambert face. Joe Kelly, you, uh, if you go to the next inning, was supposed to fit, pitch that whole inning. Mm-hmm. But he gave up two two-out hits to Alvarez and Abreu, and so the next guy comes up, Tucker, and it's like, oh, well, he doesn't want him to face Tucker, so it's on to the next guy. And that's... Again, you're right. It's it's you can you can look at it as unorthodox, but I think it's completely orthodox for the way that Pedro is trying to do this, right? Which is go by the matchups, go by the data, go by what he thinks is the correct guy to have on the mound in a very specific situation. We're used to saying, "All right, 
we're used to seeing, okay, pitcher X gets the seventh, pitcher Y gets the eighth, pitcher Z gets the ninth. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that you are going to see a White Sox manager manage differently and challenge that mindset Pitcher or managers around the game have been doing that for a while. I mean, my God, Terry Francona with the pitching changes in the middle of the innings, it, mm -hmm. before this pitch clock thing, it would make the game stretch on for four hours. Um, I, I think you're seeing Pedro Grifol bringing that to the White Sox, and I think fans and people who watch the games are going to have to get used to that being the new way that these pitching changes are determined, not just, okay, it's time for a new inning. I, 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 that's fair. I just think it's a little too cutesy when you're going up against Corey Yolks, who's a rookie in what, like you just, I, I don't understand the, the matchup there. Like what, what is you the true difference? Yeah. But I would like, why would we also take like, away what, Jimmy Lambert? Lambert he was looking nice. Like, yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, it's just, you got the out. That's fine, but I don't understand why Lambert couldn't do that or what Lambert brings. Like, I, I just. Well, why is it bad that he got taken out? Because it seemed like he was either on a pitch limit or he thought he was struggling. Because you're not changing him for handedness. It's it's you're less not about changing the move him for effectiveness the, either. Yeah, it's like less about making the move. It's just I want to understand why because it doesn't really seem like there's a clear way either way. Like it's yeah. I'm I mean, Jimmy Lambert I, can't get out Corey Oaks. I mean, I'm, he obviously thought that Kelly was the better matchup, or he wouldn't have made the change. Yeah, I I will love to hear what he's got to say in the postgame. I don't know if he'd be asked about that specifically, but yeah, I would want relievers to have clean innings and only take out pitchers if you think the matchup is actually better. And like Sean said, Yokes doesn't have enough like history in the major leagues to know that he would be better, Joe Kelly would be better versus Yokes. And Jimmy Lambert wasn't struggling in that one spot right there. Maybe he was thinking... I don't want Jimmy Lambert to go up here and walk Yokes to go to the top of the order. At that time, yeah, bring in Joe Kelly if there's first and second with uh, two outs. But I just, you know, I was just confused by the move. Well, and maybe and it's, it's a unorthodox, and it worked out, so it's cool. But also, in the future, I could see that, you know, coming back and biting him in the ass. And you see the way that he gets Yolks out. Like, I understand maybe Yolks can't hit fastball changeups, but Joe Kelly last year used his changeup the least he's used it since 2017. He's at 8%, the lowest it's been since 2017, which is at 3%, and he busts out three straight pitches. He doesn't throw another changeup except for Jordan Alvarez, uh, the third pitch of that at bat, and next he follows up with a sinker, and Jordan deposits that for a double. So, like, I don't know. It's 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 weird because it's not like you're going to Joe Kelly because he's got a great changeup. Like, I, I would even think if you're going to righties, we've seen Jose Ruiz, like, especially, you know, lower leverage spot it's Corey Yolks like to get an out go go to Ruiz like I, I just I don't understand why Kelly and it's less about to, to me just this is to me know. this is is not the the thing that is be should be complained about you know it's, what I mean like, not, it's not really brings, a complaint he, though he makes, I'm not a, trying he to makes a pitching change just, and he gets the out that I, that worked no <laughs> it, it, it's not a complaint I'm just more curious to the the reasoning the why point. it's just it's an it's you know why Kelly you know again Ruiz has the changeup? It's I don't know. It's just it's it, I don't know. I just find it peculiar. I just base, inside baseball stuff. It's, well, it's yep. interesting. Yeah. Um, we're talking about baseball for an hour. Of course, we're going to discuss <laughs> you know why they're switching a righty to a righty. Um, anything else stick out pitching wise to you guys today? Um, Steven's new guy Gregory Santos debuts. Uh, nothing much to take away from that. I just wanted to bring up. Stephen, hey, he, he gave up. He gave up. He gave up two. He gave up two out hits to uh, yeah. to Jordan and Abreu. Both the of them scored a run. Not bad. Overall, we liked it. It's just they just got hit, right? Yeah, Santos. Yeah, yeah. He gave up two ground balls. Yeah, and not charged to him, right? Those are other people's the runs. Runs weren't no. Yeah, yeah. Inherited runners. But that's, that's another thing. It's like it's just like. It's the relievers. They're not. They're not coming in. They didn't do their job, right? I mean, Graveman owned it last night yeah. because boy, he should have done his job. He walked two guys with two outs. He loaded the bases with two outs. Today, Kelly comes. Kelly comes in and does a fantastic job ending that one inning. But then he is supposed to get Alvarez out. He's supposed to get Abreu out. He didn't do it. They have to go to somebody else. And Ruiz, the first two batters he hits, bloop single walk. I mean, then you've got. Then you're pushing the lineup into a place where you didn't want. Jose Ruiz to, to pitch comes in in the in the eighth inning hits the first guy he faces gives up a single get get the job done and you're not even facing those batters because then guess what then Gregory Santos doesn't have to come in and face Alvarez and Abreu who are the two toughest well, hitters on the in the no, lineup he, uh, Santos comes in and faces Bregman Alvarez Abreu right. and Tucker he faces all four of the toughest right. guys like right. like I mean it's that's a tough first matchup for for to put him in like and yeah you, you got good results as in they're hitting on the ground but you know. 
right right where the guys weren't. So yeah, and he got the Tucker uh, to ground out to in that uh, threat. So like, would you rather pick Gregory Santos versus Corey Oaks with one at bat, or would you rather throw Joe Kelly versus Bregman Alvarez or Brayu and Tucker? Obviously, the game has to play out that way. It's 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 different the way that you you choose it. I he, just again, it's, he brought it's weird in, to go. He brought your, in Joe Kelly because he wanted Joe Kelly to pitch the next inning <sighs> too. You're gonna burn through three relievers in in. Just to get one, one one more out, Joe Kelly can get one more out. He's pretty good. And this is the thing <laughs> with the Astros. They present these problems because of their patience. And when they get their pitch, they don't miss it for the most part. And they'll take a walk and they'll take a hit by pitch and put the pressure on the opposite team, especially the bullpen. The White Sox need to learn from this and understand that that's how you become a winning team, a winning organization, where you put pressure on the, uh, the defense to do and execute perfectly. Like I said... Uh, hit batsman to start the game or start the inning off for uh, Ruiz. That just ruins a lot of stuff that you were planning on doing. If Joe Kelly executes the pitches or just issues an intentional walk to uh, uh, Alvarez at the beginning and goes after Jose Abreu, maybe the inning's a little different. That's two outs though, right, Vinny? When he was going against Alvarez, like these have to be like, and I know I'm giving a lot of crap and a lot of grievance to Griffal, but I say the players have to execute, and they didn't. And Joe Kelly, I think, got the if, L today because he didn't execute the pitches. If Graveman wasn't available and Lopez is being saved for the ninth inning, right. right, then in that seventh inning, you've got the top of the order and you've got their their five, their five, six best hitters, right, it, it lined up that way. That's who you want Kelly facing. You want Joe Kelly because people are like, oh, my God, why did they bring in Diekman yesterday? Oh, my God, why did they bring in Ruiz in this moment today? Well, Joe Kelly was the guy who was lined up to face Bregman, you know, Pena, Bregman, and uh, and Alvarez, and that's all that, you know, or everything goes even, according to plan. That's who he faces. That's who you want in that moment because there is no Graveman, and Lopez is apparently, you know, being saved for later in the game too. Well, and as I mentioned too, like Jose Ruiz, going to Jose Ruiz against Kyle Tucker, I like that matchup just because, again, he offers that changeup when we saw that Kyle Tucker against righties struggles against changeup. That that makes sense to me. Like, I was just more – I'm not, like, even giving Griffal crap. It's just first three games, just trying to figure out what, what his mindset is and, like, what we could expect when we do see certain matchups you know, right. propose themselves. And, and he's got an interesting puzzle to put together, too, because he has elected to go with closer by committee. He's elected to go with, hey, it's the seventh inning and their best players are coming up, so that's where I'm going to put my high, right. highest leverage yeah. guy. He's elected to go that way, so it is really a different puzzle every day. If it were as easy as I was describing you know, earlier, where it's like, all right, if we got a lead after, if we got a, a lead after the sixth inning, it'll just be Kelly, Graveman, Lopez, and that'll be... and. That'll be that. Hopefully they get it done. But you're right. It's It bears watching because it could be different every single day. And maybe that means that the move that you're used to seeing will change because the right move, the, the answer is different every day because right. the well, question is different every day. Right. And maybe Kelly, you know, hypothetically, 3-3 three, three ball game, it's bottom seven. Kelly comes in, walks the first guy, gets the next two out, and here comes Kyle Tucker. Why wouldn't you see Bummer for for one appearance there to just try to get the out? You know, I I I I can you know make sense. I I think, um, like it, it just you know we'll see how it these situations propose themselves. Uh, Herb, you did also talk about the White Sox and just being a little bit more patient. What they can learn from the Astros: uh, nine innings uh, of pitching for the Astros, 173 pitches thrown in eight innings for the White Sox, 174 pitches thrown. So even getting three more batters, you know, extra frames, uh, the Astros were able to be more efficient with their pitches. Uh, and I think that's also credit to the Astros. A lot of foul balls, a lot of fall-offs. And I think that's, again, going Great. back to Giolito's yeah. uh, fastball. It's just like, you know, those extra ticks could help you blow them by. Uh, I did want to get a little bit more into uh, swinging strikes and his fastball velocity. But uh, the one thing I didn't notice, it seemed like his uh, vertical movement, uh, the rise was like 12 inches, 11 inches, probably averaged like around – 11 and a half inches when it was like 93 or higher mm-hmm. through 21 pitches that were 93 or higher. Uh, but anything below, it was like 13, 14 for vertical movement. So those fastballs just staying a little bit. Uh, what would be not, the not uh, going, not having that rising effect? MLB average of that. Do you know? Well, uh, that was one thing that what uh, I think Pedro or uh, yeah, Chris Johnson said that was, you know, you got to know what the average rise is. And I think it was like 11. Uh, so, you know, some pitches were like at eight when he was getting up to to nine and a half, and that just helps his fastball change up. So again, like velocity will help his ability to add backspin and kind of have that Christian Javier effect where 
this game having that rise effect and guys are swinging under it. Uh, and then we saw how effective his changeup was today. Um, I don't know how I got into Lucas Giolito's changeup. Anyways, uh, any final thoughts? Because the changeup struck out Kyle Tucker. That's why. That's true. And that's probably why uh, he went with uh, Joe Kelly or somebody in the uh, seventh inning to see if he can throw that changeup again that he threw to Jolks to get uh, him out. But, uh, you know, whatever. He, actually, it was Ruiz who threw that changeup to him and didn't go low enough. Real quick, he flashed five changeups to Jose Abreu. I thought that was interesting, too. Uh Giolito. Giolito, yeah. It was, uh, he threw six fastballs, six sliders, five change-ups. So he, Jose Abreu saw the whole gamut. He struck out Jose Abreu three times today. Seven, only the seventh time in Abreu's career that one pitcher has struck him out three times in the same game. Great stat. One of them, that's Sarah Langs, the awesome Sarah Langs over at MLB who came up with that one, so I'll credit her for that. But uh, one of the other ones? Mike Clevenger, who's currently uh, going to be pitching tomorrow for the White Sox. Well, let's go to Jaxo's Super Chat, and then we'll get into uh, the final game of this four-game series. $10 Super Chat from our guy Jaxo. The fact that this game and last night's game were close means that this team can hang in there with the champs. Three-game sample. I, I will, well, entertaining. Entertaining. Yeah, I'll say that, this. I'll, absolutely. I, I, I was about to say I don't think White Sox fans could ask for anything more. They could ask for two more wins. But uh, the point being that if you're they watching are. this from an entertainment standpoint – Three very fun games to watch here in the opening weekend from the White Sox and the Astros. I don't know what White Sox fans were envisioning when they were coming into the series, but this is pretty much what I envisioned record-wise, one and two going into the fourth game because the Houston Astros are really good. Now can Mike Clevenger come up with a good performance to firstly stymie the Astros and then also give the bullpen a rest because they have another game on Monday. So, ugh, And everybody pretty much has pitched too, So, and I would – Want to know, like, from today, why didn't they go to Aaron Bummer? Was he off limits? Did the the uh, position didn't present itself for the right move for Aaron Bummer? Because when they took out, excuse me, when they took out Jimmy Lambert, I was like, okay, is there a lefty up? Are we going to Aaron Bummer here? It was already. That's why I was kind of confused. Yeah, it was jokes. And so I was like, okay, that's weird. Is he hurt? Is he just getting quality rest? Or just wasn't on the uh, the mind today of Pedro Grafal and uh, – uh, Ethan Katz. Well, and then when they took out Kelly in the seventh to go to Tucker, I mean, you, you possibly thought, hey, maybe they'll go to Bummer um, there as well. So uh, no Bummer, no uh, Graveman as well as he was used in the uh, games uh, two games prior. Clevenger versus, and I think it's uh, Hunter Brown, uh, your rookie of the year pick. I want to double check now. Uh, it is Luis Garcia. So Mike Clevenger versus Luis Garcia tomorrow. Uh, what do we expect? No pregame. Game starts at 110, but we will with you uh, for a postgame uh, around four. What four four ten or so? Whenever it wraps up, hopefully three forty five, three forty five, Let's count it three thirty. Manifest that. I expect. I don't expect Mike Clevenger to pitch well versus the Astros. Not necessarily because Mike Clevenger is not good, but because he wasn't good. He was really mid last year. But the Astros are just so damn good. Um, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he goes out there and throws up some zeros and has the success he's had versus Jose Abreu in the past. But I'm not looking um, for Mike Clevenger to throw up the good starts like the White Sox have had the first three games. I think what we can expect is to learn something about Mike Clevenger. Uh, the conversation, obviously, around him throughout spring training did not focus on baseball, which kind of obscured the fact that we don't really know what to expect from a baseball standpoint from Mike Clevenger. We're going to get a taste of that tomorrow. And uh, I, I think, you know, we talk about the potential of this rotation. Certainly, Cease and Lynn at the top. What if Lucas bounces back? What if Kopech lives up to the hype a little bit more? But Mike Clevenger, you just, everybody just looks at him and goes, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get. So, you know, given the, come, the full comeback from the injury, which he was talking about in spring training, given the, you know, ability to work with Ethan Katz this spring and, and during the offseason as well. We're going to see if Mike Clevenger looks more like the guy that White Sox fans remember seeing when he was in Cleveland or if, Herb, you were watching the last couple of years in San Diego. So uh, it'll be interesting to just learn something about what Mike Clevenger might look like from a pitching standpoint throughout this 2023 season. 66 total batters faced in spring training. Uh, he had an ERA of 689, a whip of 134, 14 strikeouts, four walks, five homers allowed, and he also it? had five stolen bases. And gonna no say I'm going to say what? Practice. Oh, yeah, you're talking about practice, well, Sean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And then uh, 
I was blanking. I thought we were done with that at this point. <laughs> Five stolen bases. People no, are still no psyched for no training stats. Well, I mean, the season has started. <laughs> not for Mike Clevenger. Um, <laughs> My practice. Uh, <laughs> But five stolen bases and no caught stealing. So I, I will also, that's going to be interesting too, just because he's got a weird windup. Uh, what will the pitch clock do to him? We did see Lucas get a pitch violation today. I forget who it was against, but uh, Is he that got, what all this was? was? What? When the ump was doing this? Uh, I think that's reset time. There was a couple times he reset the timer. Okay. So I, I was, oh, I was sitting timer. over here talking to Mario and the, he, the sound was not on, on the Sox game over here on the other side of the office. And I just looked up and Lucas, the ump came out to oh, yell something yeah, no, at Lucas that that. and the ump just kept doing this. And I'm like, I don't know what this means. Is he playing an accordion? What's going on? I actually think, <laughs> don't think he got a actual, you know, violation. I think he was ready to pitch and he was about to pitch and the, the batter wasn't ready. He didn't acknowledge him. And I was listening on the radio to uh, Darren and Lynn. They said he didn't acknowledge him, look him eye to eye. And that was the, what the umpo was saying. Hey, wait until he's ready before you pitch the ball. That's weird because I, th- I, I was pretty sure it was 0-1. And then he, he ended up going 1-1 without even throwing a pitch. Um, I, I thought it was the Tucker one that he gave up a single in the first. But they list that as him throwing a slider. So, um if anyone does know, uh, please correct. There was the one pitch timer violation by Giolito. Where was the box score? And is that an MLB? Yeah. Okay. Does it doesn't it say when. It does not. It's just in the bottom of the box score underneath the pitching lines. Okay. Um. So he did have one. Um. It, it doesn't say on the pitch to or pitch by pitch at bad by a bad thing. Uh. So. Uh. Whatever. Uh. It's weird. It's, it's we'll new. get used to this we'll at some it. point. I'm sure. Uh. Yeah. Pitch timer violation, Giolito. But that was uh first. The Sox, or at least first for the starting pitcher, I believe so. I don't think Lucas or, or Dylan or uh, Lance had one, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, and we'll see if Clevenger has any tomorrow. Uh, we expect Andrew Vaughn, Yasmani Grandal in the lineup. Uh, any other changes? Garcia is a righty, so we have not yet seen Hanser Alberto Ooh, at does all. Elvis get the day off, perhaps. Perhaps we we haven't seen him yet uh, at uh, at all. And then uh, yeah, Sheets got to start yesterday, obviously. So. Um, we expect him to be there again, but Romy Gonzalez, who started on opening opening night, uh, uh, nowhere to be found the last two games, except I believe he did pinch run in the ninth inning tonight, but uh, didn't really have a chance to go anywhere. No. Uh, so we'll see if uh, maybe he gets to start against uh, Luis Garcia. Uh, Luis Garcia, I think, started game three of the uh, 2021 ALDS game, uh, so no Leary, uh, but that was Yimmy Garcia anyways that he had the homer off Yimmy. of. Um, Sox didn't lose 21-5. to five. Which was good in Lucas in a Lucas Chilito start versus the Astros. Uh, so uh, shout out to that. Uh, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox post game show. We don't have a day off until April seventh. It is a great time in the season. Make sure you are hitting the thumbs up button. Make sure you are subscribing. Vinny's going to the Blackhawks game tonight, and then you later on can watch the CHGO Blackhawks post game show with Jay, Greg, and Mario. Mario's going over to the United Center right now so make sure you are subscribing we are trying to build out chgo we are in a crucial month here in april nfl drafts coming up so some great coverage on the chgo bear site and obviously opening day for both Sox and cubs we'll be back with you tomorrow for a series recap and a recap of game four between the astros and the white Sox, and we'll be with you for the home opener on the third as well that's vinnie duber you can follow him on twitter at vinnie duber he's our chgo white Sox beat writer that's herb lawrence you can follow him on twitter at ecknerwall 23 i'm sean anderson also herb lawrence and you can follow me at sean underscore w underscore anderson thank you to everyone in the chat for hanging out thank you steven nicholas for producing the show we'll talk to you tomorrow go Sox.